I had, this is back in, you know, around 2005, 2006, 2007, I had like a catalog full of books on four dummies. So I would just like Photoshop for dummies, Dreamweaver, which was the HTML, you know, building site and everything was built on flash right back then. And so I had more time than I had money and I really enjoyed this stuff. And I also thought to myself, I'm like, well, if the music thing doesn't work out, then all the stuff that I'm doing to market myself, maybe I could do for a company, a a business down the road, right? I'd sold advertising before I understood the game to some degree. So that was again, foundational in what I'm doing now. Cause it, it, it like in hindsight, the roadmap looks less messy than at the time I was like, Oh, I'm playing music four nights a week at bars, college bars. I'm in my twenties, late twenties, early thirties, late thirties. Welcome to market like a rock star with your host RPI. Bridging the gap between business mindset and marketing. This is your invitation to stop selling and start telling. Dive into a world where stories and advice aren't just shared but crafted to build brands that resonate, captivate, and earn trust. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, or a marketing professional, let's hit the road to brand empowerment together. Your journey to becoming a magnetic brand starts now. Welcome in episode one of Market Like a Rockstar. My name is RPI. It's my brand new podcast, and I appreciate you checking it out. Um, It's a little different. I haven't done anything by myself in quite a while as far as podcasting goes. And I certainly have not done anything just talking to a camera by myself ever. So appreciate you listening to this. I thought I would get started with kind of going into my background, who I am, what I'm doing, and what this podcast is going to be all about. So when I introduced myself, I said, my name is RPI. My name is actually Ryan Patrick Emming. And the moniker RPI came up Back in 2001, I mean, I'm really dating myself here, but back in the day, I started playing music full-time. I had a band when I was in college, graduated in 98. The band broke up in 99. I started playing music by myself in 2001. And my name is Ryan Emming, Ryan Patrick Emming. And there was no, just from a marketing standpoint, there was no good way for me to go by Ryan Emming or... Ryan Patrick Emming or any of that. So I just started branding myself as RPI because it worked better. It was easier to sell. It was easier to put on a, a flyer, quite frankly, and uh, let people know. So that's where that kind of came from. And then people started calling me RPI and it stuck. And I feel like there's a million Ryans out there and there's like one RPI that I've found. So anyway, that's where the name comes from. And it's a little obnoxious, I think, to have like a nickname, but it also has worked. And at this point, uh, it's been over 20 years, so I don't mind it. And I went ahead and started my business six years ago, my content creation marketing business here in Kansas City, and it's called RPI Creative. So now I'm going to take a couple steps backwards and I'm going to get into kind of my history and why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I'm starting a podcast now. So I grew up and I was always into audio and video production, things like that. Went to school at the University of Missouri. I studied, started, I did one semester at the J school. If you know anything about journalism schools, like nationwide, Mizzou is one of the top journalism schools in the country. And the first class I was in, they called it a weed out class. It was J 200. And within the first day, there were kids there from like all over the world 
actually. And I knew that I was not in the right place. So I transferred to what they call journalism light, which was communications at Mizzou, um, where I studied, you know, basically, I think it was a lot of the same type of stuff, but it just wasn't as cutthroat. And the people that were in the communications department weren't necessarily trying to get jobs at CNN or Fox news or the local TV station. We were a lot more of us were focused on things like advertising, marketing. Um, we had a couple guys I graduated with that did go to work at MTV, which back then that was awesome. It was a huge deal. Right. Um, but anyway, so I, I'd always been into recording audio and video, started playing music when I was senior in high school, got into that. And then I went and studied, um, audio and video production in college. Now this is back in the day. So everything, we were the last class that graduated at Mizzou again, dating myself here, but this was before digital video and audio production. So I graduated, I did that stuff and I'd started a band my junior year. And I, what I didn't know at the time was I was really getting my feet wet in the sales and marketing side of things because the band I started, I did all of our sales and marketing and it was all guerrilla stuff. We didn't have any money, of course. So we would make flyers and we would do posters and we had a website back when websites were barely anything. We had an email list, which was crazy, but we also had a snail mail list. And so we were doing content marketing, which at that time there was no name for it, but that's really what it was because essentially we would give out or, you know, we get people to sign up they'd sign up their, uh, their snail mail addresses at our shows. And every month or two months, we would send out like a newsletter that basically had stories from the road because we were touring around these college towns in the Midwest. And on the backside, we'd have a list of tour dates. So if you were, if you had seen us at, at a bar in Macomb, Illinois, at Western Illinois university in January, then you would know that we're coming back in April, stuff like that. So when I look at what I'm doing now, Back then, I had no idea that I was laying the groundwork for what I'd be doing 20 years down the road, but that's really what was happening. So I, uh, I, I started that band my junior year of college. We stayed in Columbia for a couple of years after I graduated, kind of toured all over the Midwest, had a little bit of regional success, had a lot of fun doing it. But at the time, I think I was 24 or 25 years old and I felt, I thought I was old, you know, <laughs> back then you don't realize when you're, when you're that young that 25 is old, especially if you're 25 in a college town, you really are old. Um, and so the band broke up. We weren't famous. We thought we should be famous after three years or signed to a record deal or whatever. And it didn't happen. So, you know, we broke up. I came back to Kansas city, got into selling radio advertising. And when I was doing that, started doing morning show production for the same station I was working for, but I was selling advertising and I did that for about uh, not quite two years. And I realized quickly, I loved doing the production on the morning show. And what that meant really was I was making up like Adam Sandler style parody songs. Um, and while I was on radio, I started playing music as a solo artist by myself. And what's crazy is I ended up, um, giving my two weeks notice the week of September 11th, 2001. And I, I can't remember what day that landed on in 2001, but I know I had just given my notice and that happened and I had already built up enough dates. And I, again, I had already done the band thing where I had connections. So I was playing in, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 cities um, regularly. But at that time I was 
playing music and I was still into the production side of things, but that was in 2001. So technology wasn't what it is today. We didn't have the ability, social media wasn't even a thing yet. Um, creating a, making a CD, you still had to go to a studio, a real studio and make a CD. Now I had gotten my first digital, like 12 track recorder in right around 2001 or 2002 and made this awful, you know, 11 song CD that I sold at my shows and pressed like a thousand of them sold at my shows. Anyway, did the music thing ended up for, for until 2016. So for 15 years, I played music live and along the way, I started getting into the, I, I, I continued to do audio and video production, right? So I was, I bought Pro Tools in 2005 and I got a flip camera and Final Cut and I was making little videos to promote my shows. And when MySpace rolled around, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And you started seeing people like Dane Cook in, in particular, who basically made his career out of MySpace. And people hate Dane Cook now, whatever. At the time, he just exploded. He was the first artist that I saw that really capitalized on social media. And on the music side of things, you had bands like Dispatch that were really thriving off of like the pirate sites like Kazaa and LimeWire and things like that. So the whole time that I'm playing music and I'm playing music four nights a week or whatever, I am also just to promote my music. I am creating videos. I am, I'm, I'm doing morning show production on the side. So I'm, I'm actually producing my own music, but I'm also producing audio for different morning shows around doing parody songs and parody commercials and stuff like that. Um, and I also decided I needed a website and I had to build my own website. So I had, this is back in, you know, around 2005, 2006, 2007, I had like a catalog full of books on four dummies. So I would just like Photoshop for dummies, Dreamweaver, which was the HTML, you know, building site and everything was built on flash right back then. And so I had more time than I had money and I really enjoyed this stuff. And I also thought to myself, I'm like, well, if the music thing doesn't work out, then all the stuff that I'm doing to market myself, maybe I could do for a company, a, a business down the road, right? I'd sold advertising before. I understood the game to some degree. So, so that's really kind of, that was again, foundational in what I'm doing now. Cause it, it, like in hindsight, the, the roadmap looks less messy than at the time I was like, oh, I'm playing music four nights a week at bars, college bars. I'm in my twenties, late twenties, early thirties, late thirties, that whole thing. Um, and so anyway, I ended up moving to Nashville in 2010 and I, I jumped on, you know, of course I mentioned I'd done some stuff on MySpace like everybody did, got into Facebook a little bit, but what really flipped a switch for me was, I think it was 2009 is when I got on Twitter. I was an early, I was an early adopter on Twitter. I also, I feel like it was around that time I bought the book Crush It or Crushing It. I think it was Crush It by Gary Vee. And it was interesting because when I got on Twitter at first, kind of like everybody, you didn't know what, what to make of it, right? People were posting like, what they had for dinner, just kind of silly stuff. By the time I moved to Nashville in 2010, I was playing music in, you know, 
SEC towns like Oxford, Ohio, um, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Auburn, Lexington, Kentucky, Columbia, Missouri, of course. Um, and then a lot of the smaller towns, Florence, Alabama. So Wednesday through Sunday, I'd be on the road playing these shows and Twitter really became something that it just clicked with me. I understood it and it gave me a way to communicate with you know, I'd say, I say fans. I hate to use the word fans cause I was playing bars. It's not like I was playing amphitheaters or whatever, but it gave me the ability to talk to people that were coming to my shows. And the craziest thing happened in this would have been 2010, 2011 when I was in Nashville. Um, and I would, I, I, I was always, I would trade people. I'd give people a free CD for following me on Twitter. You know, they would show me, they follow me. I'd give them a CD. And then I also had people tweeting requests at me. So not only was I getting requests, but I was also, you know, people were tweeting at me, tweeting pictures from my shows. And all of a sudden, you know, I did all of my own booking, all of my own management. I did everything on my own because I moved to Nashville to write songs. So I wasn't trying to become, you know, Luke Bryan or Kenny Chesney or, you know, any of those guys, Zach Bryan. Now, you know, I wasn't trying to become a star. I wanted to be a songwriter. And so I wasn't worried about getting a booking agent or a manager. I did all that stuff on my own. And I'd done that stuff for so long that I was comfortable doing it. And again, I felt like the skills that I was using on that side of the business would be something that I could always apply to a different business down the road, which ended up working out. So um, I was out of nowhere I was tweeting about, you know, whatever. I was on the road. I was driving 85,000 miles a year. So I was driving like a maniac. So Wednesday through Sunday, I'd be on the road playing shows. And the entire time I was on the road, I was just tweeting, tweeting, tweeting. Well, out of nowhere, I didn't have to make cold calls anymore. Because when I first moved to Nashville, especially, I was just basically cold calling. I was like, okay, well, I'm from Kansas City. And I'd been playing in all of the college bars in Iowa and Missouri and Kansas and a little bit in Arkansas for long enough that I already had relationships. But when I moved to Tennessee, I didn't know anybody in Tuscaloosa and Auburn and Lexington and all these towns. But out of nowhere, people started reaching out to me on Twitter, like bar owners and promoters and things like that. And I was like, holy shit, this is, this is incredible. I don't have to sell anymore. And my, my Twitter account was, you know, I was talking about whatever people were talking about. I was, if, if there was an episode of the bachelor on and people that I was following, because I would be following college students, if they were commenting on stuff, then if I was watching it, I'd comment too. And so that was when the content thing really kind of clicked for me. Like, oh, wow, this is not about selling. It's not about like, yeah, of course I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be in Lexington, Kentucky at two keys tavern on Friday night, come see me play. But that's one tweet. And there's 50 other tweets about stuff that is, you know, uh, Mizzou football or, you know, just talking about whatever people were talking about at the time. And that became really fundamental in what I'm doing now which again, at the time I didn't, I didn't realize it. So you fast forward, go to Nashville in 2010, 2016, I wake up, I'm 40 years old in 2016 and I'm still playing music in college bars. And I got myself into a jam where I would write songs Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and I would leave town on Wednesday afternoon 
And I moved to Nashville to write songs, but I had to be on the road to make a living. And I was doing well enough that I felt like I had to be on the road. And I did not want to be 40 years old playing in college bars anymore. I just didn't. I was like, okay, this has been awesome. I had a great time. I had had some personal things happen in my life, never had any kids, but had a, you know, a 10 year personal relationship that went south before I moved to Nashville. And I, 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 I had the best time of my life following that passion, but I woke up one day and I was just over it. (laughs) I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I had decided, okay, what am I going to do? I got to get something. I've got to get some corporate experience and I don't know what that looks like. Who's going to hire a 40 year old who's been living in a van basically for 15 years. And so there were three towns that I wanted to stay in. I was in Nashville. I would have happily stayed in Nashville. I had a good group of friends that were in the music industry. And I also had a group of friends that were not in the music industry. Um, I also loved Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky and Kansas city, my hometown. So those are the three towns. And I ended up sending my resume to a radio station in Kansas city. And they called me up the next day and said, Hey, we want to interview you. And I was like, at that point, I was so mentally, I was so done with the music thing that I was like, awesome. And so I ignored some red flags as far as like, why is this company so willing to hire me right out of the gate? And they were, and they did. And so I ended up going back to the same station that I started at the exact same radio station that I worked for when I was 24 or 25. Here I am 15 years later going right back into the same, it was a different building across the street, but the same company. It was different owners, but the same radio station. So a lot of the same people were there, which was awesome because I loved the people I worked with. I loved them in 2001 and 2000, and they were still awesome people. And I got there in 2015 or 2016. Um, so I walked in there and the other thing I realized was um, they had not changed at that time, any of their systems as far as like they had no CRM at all, which was crazy to me because I was a one man band and I had a CRM to keep track of my, my clients, the bars, the promoters. Like I had all my stuff like, like that way I was able to, I used technology, you know, to keep up with stuff. Um, and along the way I, you know, I had, I had, I had talked about Twitter being massively uh, powerful for my music. Instagram was too. I got on Instagram in 2013, I think. And I, I grudgingly got onto Instagram in 2013, but I got onto it and there were guys getting record deals at that point based on their Instagram account, which was absolutely wild to see. Um, so Instagram was really good to me. It's the same thing as Twitter, just totally helped me, especially with that demographic. And that's back when bro country was like all the rage at Florida, Georgia line and, um, and all that type of stuff. And I fit right into that bubble because I was just another white dude with a baseball hat and a guitar. And I just, I looked the part. So it was, it was really like, um, serendipitous, right? It was fantastic. And, um, anyway, so I come back to Kansas city, get a job selling radio at the radio station and the people I worked with were great, but I knew pretty quick that, this is not my forever home. <laughs> this is this is a pit stop on my way to something else. So it took me, I got to work there in January of 2016 and 
it didn't take me long to realize, man, I am not going to be long for this place because there were some issues. Um, there, the way things were run, I, I will say that I was not pleased with and the turnover reflected that there were people I'd never seen so many people exiting a company in my entire life. Um, with good reason, in my opinion. So I was working on accounts and I had some big accounts, like I had Budweiser and I had a few like really massive accounts, but I also had a lot of smaller accounts. And when you're selling radio advertising, you know, the minimum budget that you're looking at is like to, to make a dent in a market like Kansas city, which is not a big market. It's a medium sized market. I think it's market 29 or 30 in the country. You still need to be spending about $3,000 a month on radio advertising. And I had some clients who were radio was like, it's like anything else. If you don't have the budget to do it right, then you shouldn't do it at all. And I talk about that a lot. And, and I, I include budget, um, you know, not only money, but time, effort, et cetera. If you can't commit to a marketing endeavor, whether it is um, traditional media, like newspaper, TV, or radio, or content marketing, if you don't have the ability to commit to something for at least 12 to 18 months, then you really shouldn't do it, in my opinion. Because anything like that is going to take time to catch on unless you just have a gazillion dollars and you can just flood the market, which that's not my, those are not my people, right? Those are not my businesses that I work with. So when I was working with these, you know, SMBs, these small, medium businesses, um, I would always talk to them about what they were doing as far as what's your social media like, what's your website like, what's your SEO like? And more often than not, they had never done any of that stuff. And when I was about six months to a year in at the radio station, we had contracted a digital marketing company so that we could sell like Facebook, like content creation to some of our clients. And I saw what we were selling as far as I saw the deliverables we were offering and I saw what we were charging for them and a, a switch flipped in my head. And I was like, wow, I, I can do this on my own. And if I can charge somebody 1500 bucks a month to post to Facebook three times a week, that's like, that. that's when my wheels started turning. And I started saying, okay, hold on a second. First of all, posting to Facebook three times a week in 2016 and 17, you know, everything changes and, and the market in the, you know, the social, social media platforms have changed dr dramatically since I started doing this full time in 2017. But even then, like I knew that posting three times a week to Facebook was not going to move the needle for anybody in 2016, 2017. And I, so I had a problem. I, first of all, I would never sell something to a client that I thought would just be putting good money after bad, regardless of how small in small in air quotes, the spend is right. So that's when I started thinking like, Oh wow. You know, I could, perform these services. You know, at the time, I think I, my RPI music Instagram account, I had built it up to like 15,000 followers. I had 3000 followers on Twitter. And, and again, these are not massive numbers, but I'm not a believer in the fact that, Oh, you need a million followers. No, I like for me, for RPI music to make a living, I needed as I needed the followers that I had, but they were highly engaged. 
and they were real and it was authentic. And that is so valuable versus somebody that, you know, at the time people would buy followers and all this other crazy stuff. Um, but anyway, so that's when I realized like, okay, wow, I can go ahead and, um, offer these services on my own. So at that point, this was, let's say, let's say I started working in, uh, January of 2016 by October to uh, by January of 2017, I knew that I was going to try to find something else to do. And between January and March of 2017, I realized I'm going to start managing social media for other people. And I would figured out like kind of a, uh, I had a vague idea of how I'd price my services and what I'd offer. Um, even though at the time I'd only created content for myself. So I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't have any real systems in place, um, or anything like that. So I essentially started playing music almost like full time again while I was selling radio, because at that time I was like, okay, I know I'm either going to start my own thing, my own business, or I'm going to leave here. But either way, I need to have a little like safety net of cash. So I was essentially working starting in January of 2017. I was playing music two or three times a week. And a couple of those times were in Columbia, Missouri, which is a two hour drive from Kansas city. And I was still working full time at the radio station, selling advertising from eight 30 to five 30. And by, uh, by summertime, by spring and summer, I had decided, okay, I'm going to manage Instagram accounts for small and medium sized businesses. And I started that by going to my current music clients and saying, Hey, you own, you know, you run this college bar. I can help you on Instagram. And at that point, I mean, I know people were doing social media marketing and consulting and content creation, but it was nothing like it is now, like nothing. I mean, it was none of the bars no bars were really taking it seriously at that point. It's like, I guess we're on Instagram. We have an Instagram account, but I don't know. We post our drink specials on there and whatever. And I said, well, I think we can really, you know, I think we could really build a following and kind of build a community around your, around your brand. And, you know, one of the bars that I started working with was Harpo's in Columbia, which is, um, it's one of the biggest college bars in the country. So they've got, you know, it started in 1971. They've got this great story and they've got this great tradition and so, um, by July, I think it was July 1st, I picked up two bars and then August 1st, I picked up two more bars. So by July 1st, I was essentially working three jobs. <laughs> so I would get up in the morning. I would, I would from five 30 to seven 30 in the morning, I would create content for these bars. And, um, this was right I think Instagram stories just had started rolling out at that point. So I was trying to kind of experiment with that, see what was working there. Um, and maybe, maybe stories didn't start that early, but they started right around there. Um, and so what my week looked like at that time was I would work five 30 to, uh, I'm sorry, I'd get up five 30 to seven 30, do social media stuff. And then I would, get around, get ready to go work from eight 30 to five 30 selling radio. And then like Wednesdays, I would go play a local show in Kansas city from like, Oh, usually like eight to 10, kind of an early night. And then on Friday, I was playing every Friday in Columbia, Missouri. And this is where Fridays were tough because I would get up at five 30 due to my social media stuff, go sell from eight 30 to four 30 or five. Then I would drive to Columbia, which was a two hour drive. 
in the type of music show I did, I did a live looping show, kind of like Ed Sheeran. So I had all this crap that I set up. It took me two hours to set up. I would do a four hour show and then two hours to break down. So by the time I got home on Saturday morning, it was between four and five in the morning. So I was doing like 24 hours on Friday nights. And I say that to say, I, I share that story because it opened the opportunity for me to do what I'm doing today. Because by November, by I guess it was October of 2017, I had given my notice. I think November 1st, I actually quit working at the radio station. And I I'd picked up a fifth client on my social media stuff. And I knew at that point, I'd just been kind of trying to bank as much cash as I could. And I knew that I had a number I had to get to on the social media side of things where that combined with the music thing, I could play, continue playing music for as long as I needed to, to get my monthly, you know, cash flow to where it needed to be. And so I remember it was the middle of October when I was able to give my notice and say, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to quit. And I had five, five clients that I was doing social media marketing for. And it, it was one of the, the best things that I ever did. And it was, this was in October, 2017. So we're coming up. Yeah. Just almost exactly six years ago. And the irony was I had, I, I have not done, I, I mean, I've posted like, I don't know, 15 times on my own social media accounts since then. But since then I have grown this business into something that I quite frankly only dreamed it would be. Um, I do a ton of video marketing. I do a ton of, um, you know, I build websites for clients and all this stuff. The problem was, and the reason that I didn't create content for myself and I am just starting this podcast now is because I did not have a definitive thing that I was doing, right? Like the way I would phrase it is I, I felt like I was just like a general handyman, <laughs> but I was also, I was doing plumbing and HVAC and electrical work. Now, of course, this is an analogy, right? But I was doing a little bit of everything for my clients. It started out just doing, um, managing Instagram accounts. And that was, again, you could get a lot of mileage doing organic Instagram content production, uh, content creation in 2017. And we were building followings for all my clients and things were going great. But then I had a client that was like, Hey, you know, I need some video work done. Can you do that? And of course, like I mentioned before, I had had my old school, I had shot on a flip cam. I had done some of those things. I'd studied video production in college but I had not updated my gear or anything. So I went out and I, I texted my buddy in Nashville who did all of our, you know, this guy's had photos and posted in, in Rolling Stone, but he was doing video work for Sam Hunt and Lee Bryce and all these guys. And I texted Chase and I said, Hey man, I, I got like 1500 bucks. What's a good camera to buy? He texted me back immediately. Sony a6300. So I went out, bought a Sony A6300, and I told my client, I was like, here's the deal. I'm going to do this video work for you for free because I need to get I need to get back up to speed. I need to get up to speed with the good gear, and I need to figure this out. And they were thrilled, of course, because they knew that I was going to, you know, I had, like I said, I said, this is going to work for you because you're going to get a free video that you like, and it's going to work for me because it's going to allow me to get reacclimated with this process. 
And so that was how it started. And I love the fact that every service that I offer now, I started out offering for one client for free to one client for free, I should say. Um, but that brings me to where I am now, which is I've launched, I don't know, say like eight podcasts and done a handful of them recently. And I found these few things now where I'm like, okay, this is really what I want to do. And so now it's time for me to start selling my services because I know which services I want to specialize in. Right. And those services are vertical video production and content production. These are things that wouldn't vertical video wasn't even a thing, you know, back when I started doing this, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even like I said, anytime you saw a vertical video, you're like, turn your phone the right way so I can see it. Right. Um, so basically everything has changed in the last seven years and I am thrilled to be part of this space. And what I'm hoping to build here is a community of people that are most likely going to be small to medium business owners, some marketing professionals, um, people that want to learn, share, and grow together about marketing. And one of the things that I have kind of latched onto is the idea of stop selling and start telling. And what that means to me is the same thing that I did back in 2011 on Twitter, which was, I was in an inadvertent way selling myself, but really what I was doing was I was telling jokes. I was telling stories. I was sharing and building a community with people that were, you know, they became friends of mine that came to my shows that were people that were hiring me to play at their, at their bars and things like that. So I think where we are today, I think the hard sell is a thing of the past. You know, I think the used car salesman thing is, I think it's over. I think content now needs to be sharing stories. It needs to be giving people advice. It needs to be bringing value to the table, bringing your story to the table. Because I, at this point, I love my story, but I failed a lot before I got to where I am now. And that's why I liked, in hindsight, it all makes perfect sense on a personal level and a professional level for me. And so what I try to do is take the things that I've learned and apply them to my small, medium-sized business clients and say, okay, you know, if you're selling uh, hardwood flooring services, how are we going to endear you to the people that are going to want to buy your services, right? We want to go ahead and share knowledge with them. We want to give them, we want to answer the questions that people have when they're in that space. And I think that's where, for me, stop selling and start telling sums up everything that I do. And the reason this podcast is called Market Like a Rockstar is because you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a rock star. You don't know it yet, but this happens every single time I get a new client. And I'll go back to one of my, actually my fifth client, the one that allowed me to quit my job, who 
I love this guy to pieces. And I ended up, uh, he was a gym owner. He is a gym owner. Um, and I worked with him from the fall of 17 until COVID hit. And he got just devastated in March of 2020. Um, but this guy was, I think at the time he was in his late thirties and he'd been a personal trainer for 15 years and he had a wealth of knowledge. I mean, the stuff this guy knew about physical fitness, about nutrition, it was so deep and he was so wise and he was a big fan of Andy Frisella, right? And he would always tell me, he's like, ah, I just, I'm not, I'm not that guy. You know, I'm not th- that guy. He knows more than me. I don't know enough. I don't know enough, you know, imp- classic imposter syndrome stuff. But the reality of it is Jamie was a rock star and it was up to me to get him to realize that and to bring that out. So, my point of all of this, so my point of all of this is to help you find that rock star, tell your story, okay? Like that's, that's what this is about. That's what business is about. That's what marketing is about right now. You think you don't know as much as you do know. I guarantee you're selling yourself short. Oh, I just, I'm not quite ready yet. Just not quite ready yet. I promise you, you are ready. You don't know you're ready, but you are ready. You do know enough. That is a guarantee. Now, I'm going to go ahead and before I bounce out of here today, I've got two video clips that I want to share that I think are actually, before I bounce out of here today, I've got one video clip that I want to share that I think is phenomenal. Um, There is a gal and her name is Glenda Baker, I think. Yeah, her name is Glenda Baker. She is a real estate agent. I'm going to go ahead and pull this up. Um, She's a real estate agent in Atlanta, I believe. I don't know. I stumbled across her on TikTok and she absolutely crushes it. She crushes it on TikTok. She gives out so much information. My wife and I bought a house three months ago, four months ago. And so I was getting hit with that algorithm, right? And she did, she gave so much information, ideas on investing in real estate, on interest rates. Now she lives in Atlanta. I'm in Kansas city. I'm never going to use her as a client, but she gets social media marketing. Her content strategy is absolutely killer. And just today, honestly, like two hours before I started recording this first episode, this maiden voyage of the podcast, I got hit with this TikTok from her and I'm like, this is what I'm, I'm going to talk about this today. I want you to hear the way she talks about content and the way she talks about social media marketing on this clip. And then I'm going to wrap up this podcast. Check this out. The first question that every agent has, Glenda, how do you calculate your return on social media? It is not a tit for tat type of return on investment when you're doing social media. If you think that you're gonna post a video and somebody's gonna pick up the phone and say, I wanna sell my house, that's not how it works. It is your opportunity to control the narrative in your community about what you're an expert of. So whether it's real estate or dentistry or an attorney, social media and video gives you the opportunity to build the credibility, just like Sandra Chong, who I've never met in my life. She had been following me for months before she contacted me. This is not your grandma's real estate. This is social media in a new day and time. This is your opportunity to become the community local expert in the area where you work. I just absolutely 
I absolutely love that. Like you cannot, you cannot ask for a better testimonial for content marketing than that video right there. And she, she nails it across the board. Well, that's a pretty good spot. I'm going to wrap up this first episode. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sitting and listening to this. Um, but I do, I appreciate it. And, and I look forward to getting better at this. This is something me just talking to a camera by, by myself. I'm not super used to it, but I've been making my clients do it for five years. So it's about time that I put myself on this side of the camera, I guess. But anyway, thanks so much for checking this out. I look forward to the next episode. And until next time, stop selling, start telling. Thanks for listening to Market Like a Rockstar. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. Help us out and share this episode with anyone that you think might get value from it. For more info, correspondence, and links to all of our socials, visit the website, rockstarmarketingpod.com. Until next time, go make some content, build your brand, and be sure to stop selling and start telling.